0: And that's a beautiful thing. That's something that I think we need to never forget. The church itself, the true church should be the epitome of what real cultural diversity is to the world. Not all these movements and this and that, but the church, the church of Jesus Christ. Um, I'm going to share this quickly because, you know, it's been an extremely blessed. I've had an extremely blessed week. I also want to say that, uh, today is the the last day of uh bringing your your shoe boxes so hopefully everyone came with their boxes because uh you know that's a that's a great going to be a great blessing to many people but i'm going to start with i had an experience at work and um you know more and more as as i continue on my walk with the lord i i believe he's he's giving me more courage to speak out and 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 speak with the unction of the holy spirit and there's a gentleman at my work, a younger gentleman, and he just reminds me so much of myself. It's the gentleman I talked about maybe a month back, and I don't know him from anyone. And the first thing, um, you know, he told me when he found out that I was a Christian and, you know, and likewise is that he expressed to me that, you know, he has some issues and he's uh, repenting and he's asking the Lord or help me this and that. So anyways, long story short, it seems now that I'm in some kind of way being used to lightweight uh, You know, uh, disciple this gentleman. And so we had a great conversation the other day, and he kind of expressed some more things to me, kind of where he's at. And uh, it's just a blessing how the Lord always gives you the right things to say at the right time for the right person. And so, um, you know, I see this young man as being someone that the Lord wants to use in a mighty way. Uh, There's just, like all of us, there's just certain things that we have to lay aside and give to him. Um, That obedience factor is so key. And, And once we uh, understand and recognize that obedience is the main point in our submissiveness, as paul said when when we recognize our weakness and we identify our weakness apart from Christ, and we are willing to say lord i 'm so weak without you oh man his his presence rests heavily on those who recognize they 're weak he doesn 't go looking for the, the the strapping young man that looks so good and is strong and is endure ende- endeared by all these different people, no, he looks for. Those who are weak, the foolish things of this world, he uses to confound the wise. And so we should count it a blessing to recognize our own weakness apart from the Lord. But that's when His strength will run through. So it's been a blessing at work, and you know, I found myself, uh, you know, after work, and he was in the hallway. He's a handyman, so he's doing all kind of work, and that's kind of where we were in the hallway of one of the buildings, and that's where he was doing work, and. You know, he shared what he was sharing, and I shared with him what the Lord put on my heart. And, you know, it was just like, man, let me pray for you, bro. Let me pray for you right now. And, you know, there's other people around kind of meandering, doing what they're doing after work. But it's cool because you see that there's so much to be done. And there's so much. Uh, uh, it, the Bible says, you know, uh, the, the harvest is, is plenty, but the workers are few. I mean, we we, we need to become in the mindset of, Lord, there's a lot for me to do. I know I rag on this city a lot, and I call it the armpit, and there's the diaper smell from the landfill, but there's so much to be done for the Lord in this little small city of Milpitas. It's just if we open up our eyes, are we ready to uh, experience what he has for us? And then yesterday, I was running around and got my booster shot at uh, the Kaiser by my mom's house at San Teresa, and I had to go get some um, some valve stems for, uh, for the car, and so I stopped at the AutoZone uh, right before the 101, and you know, I, I was in there and I'm looking for stuff and I'm looking for those valve, valve stems. And I saw a gentleman, uh, you know, I just, I heard his kids really. I didn't see him. I heard the kids and they're screaming and hollering. And, and then and the, the the person behind the register made a comment, oh man, you know, how old are they? And he said, uh, I think he said something like, like four and two, and they're not that far apart. And he had made a comment about the terrible twos or whatever. And you know, just this gentleman with the, you know, with the baby in a, a, a carrier and the, another, another young child with him. And Um, His car was out front and the hood was popped open and he was doing some work on the car. But, you know, I I didn't really think nothing of it at first. You know, I'm in there and I'm handling my business. And then as I leave, uh, the Holy Spirit just impressed upon me to go speak to this man, you know. And I didn't even know what the Lord wanted me to say to him. And it just came to me as I went to him. And I see him. He's he's doing whatever he's doing underneath the hood. And I said, hey, brother, I just want to tell you, man, um, it's commendable what you're doing. I see you as as a man having children and you're a man having children you're a man not having children (laughs) but um you're a you're a man with children and you're there with your children i said it's a big deal because i said in the society we live in there's many men that are siring children all over this land and they buck out it's easy to make a baby But are you going to be there to take care of this child and raise this child up? And then we got into the conversation. (laughs) I don't know why, but it's it's, it's the Lord. He tells me, he shows me this a lot in my own family. We're not supposed to put raising these children up on the woman. It's clearly said in the Bible that the man of the house is to train up and raise his children in the way they should go. The man. Not mommy. Mommy should not be the sole one busting out the Bible saying, it's time to read the word. Uh, here, let me explain to you what this is about. Let me show you examples throughout the day. The Bible says, when you wake up, the word of God should be on your lips. Before you go to bed, the word should be on your lips. And we got into this conversation and this man's eyes just lit up as I was sharing this with him, as the, as the Holy Spirit was speaking through me. Because this is, a, this is a strong conviction I have. How much more dynamic and and powerful will our families be if we just live by that one principle alone and not just say well i'm the man so i'm bringing home the bacon you know that's one part of it that's not it that's like saying i got married and then that's it i'm I'm free from all duties because i wear a wedding ring and we sleep in the same bed and we share Bank accounts. You should share bank accounts. You know that, right? <laughs> you shouldn't have. Well, I got this one, and this. well, everyone to each his own. But I believe, you know, if you're joined as one flesh, money should not be an issue. What's mine is hers, and what's hers is mine. But, anyways, back to the point that I was sharing with this young man, and it's like I was just moved to tell him this, and and it was a, and it was a big deal because he said, you know what, I'm I'm going through. A situation right now, and I and then I, I left. I was walking in my car, and he said, Hey, brother, what church you go to? I said, Oh, resilient life, Brazilian life. No, I said, Resilient life church. I said, It's a small denominational church in Milpitas. I said, Oh, Milpitas. All right, cool. He said, I go to Cathedral of Faith. I said, That's what's up, man. Right on, brother. I said, it's all about Jesus Christ. And then he went on to uh, divulge some information to me and share with me that, you know, he, he has six children from the same woman and, and they were high school sweethearts. They've been together 19 years. And now, for whatever reason, I don't know the information, but she's left. And so now he's in this state where he's trying to to deal with this and, 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 and seeking the Lord on the matter. And he kept on saying, the Lord keeps speaking to me through different people about my circumstance and my situation. And I just thought it was it it was just so profound to me that this man needed to hear it and I needed to be obedient and share what, what the Lord showed me. And the same thing with the other gentleman at my work. He said the same thing. What you're sharing with me is things I've heard years ago. And I'm not saying I'm prophetic. It's not about me. It's about being obedient to the Lord. But if we look for opportunities, oh, my gosh, there's there's great blessing for us. You see. We should be not only being poured into, we all know that, right? There's somebody that should be pouring into you. If no one's pouring into you and you're just like, well, I'm here with my Bible and I just, just me and the Lord. That's a dangerous place to be. That's how Pharisees become Pharisees because you got nobody pouring into you. Best believe there are men of God that pour into me on a regular basis. Not only, and it's not about works, not only, but not not only am I a part of a, Men's prayer group on Thursday nights, I speak to different pastors on a regular, semi-regular basis, one in particular on a regular basis, and I get poured into that way amongst other things. But not only should we be getting poured into, but we should be pouring into others, you know, because all that stuff just settles. And again, pride starts to bubble up if you're just getting poured into and you're not looking for opportunities for the Lord to pour you out into someone else's life. And we know from the scripture that it says we're constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being baptized with the Holy Spirit is a one-time thing, but being filled with the Holy Spirit is a daily thing. I mean, that should be one of your main prayers in the morning when you get up is, Lord, empty me of myself and fill me fresh with the Holy Spirit. What did David say? Created me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. And, and that's so important And and, and I just I'm seeing that more and more. It's becoming so vivid to me, and I'm just so blessed that I'm able to experience these things on a daily basis. And then yesterday, you know, my, uh, my, my, my wife thought it a good thing to bring two of uh, her sister's stepchildren to our house to, do, to take part in the packing party. And, uh, and they're not saved, I believe. They're Catholic, and not saying that Catholics can't be saved, but there's a lot of traditions and rituals that go along with that. And I thought it was a great thing that my wife did and my wife being obedient to the Holy Spirit by offering, hey, would you like to come over and hang out for a little bit? We'll buy you guys lunch. and you know, But just explain to them th- what the whole process of Operation Christmas Child and what packing the box is and what it means and what it signifies and the fact that there's so much in our culture that we take for granted. Everyday things like being able to brush your teeth being able to have clean water, being able to take a shower whenever you want, being able to, you know, take, take care of your basic necessities top to bottom without having an issue where there's children in other places in the world where, you know, they're having to dig a ditch to handle their business. They don't get to have showers. They don't sleep on a bed. They sleep on a dirt floor. They, they can't, as we saw in the last video last week, they can't go to school and get an education. Their parents aren't educated. And so it was eye opening to me because this is a prime, that was a prime uh, uh, example and a prime uh, opportunity to speak into these young men's lives that they need it. And their parents aren't saved, you know. Their parents are 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 doing the family thing, but they're not married. So they're as we're waiting on them to get married. We're like, y'all need to get married because y'all y- y'all got you know what is it the 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 buggy before the carriage or whatever. I'm not I'm not that old, so I don't know what that term means. But they're doing it you know backwards. You know, but, it, you know, it's a ta- you got to be tactful in how you come across to people, especially family, because they can take offense. We don't want to do that. But, you know, again, this is a prime example and prime opportunity for them to be poured into. And so I just share all these things because, again, there's so, and I'm sure we can sit here for hours on end and we could all share just the great things that we've seen throughout the week and how the Lord's not only used us, but used other people. But I, I pray that that's an encouragement to you to get out there. Whatever your crossroad is, whatever your spirit of influence, that's exactly where the Lord has you. Because there's a great purpose for you to speak up and stand up for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. We're in Revelation chapter 2. and We're going to tackle verses 22 down through 29. I know I haven't really been. Uh, doing that many verses as of recently, but I, I, Lord willing, I think we're going to get through it. And this is part two of the letter to the church of Thyatira. So when you get there and you're able to, please stand for the reading of God's word. We'll go ahead and pray and we'll get into our message. All right. So Revelation chapter two, verses 22 down through 29. If you don't have a Bible, we do have a couple, you know, old fashioned, <laughs> actually got pages, Bibles back there. If not, it should be on uh, the screen. Okay. So, so it says... Um, And this is, again, a continuation on from what Jesus was saying last week about um, the church in Thyatira and where he found them. And now he's saying what's going to be the consequences if they refuse to repent. This is, again, to believers, to the church, not to people who don't believe. And he says in verse 22, Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of their works. And I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. Verse 24. But to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, (coughs) to you I say, do not lay... I do not lay on you any other burdens. Verse 25, only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and keeps my words until the end to him, I will give authority over the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken into pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father and I will give him the morning star he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches let's go ahead and pray heavenly father lord thank you for lord this portion of scripture that shows us lord the great consequences that come to those who know the truth but fail to repent fail to have their minds transformed by the by the word of god and continue to live a lifestyle of sin it's not a good thing Lord, I pray if there's any of us, Lord, that are in need of repenting, which we, we all are on a regular basis, Lord, would you soften our hearts, Lord, help us to, to, to recognize that, Lord, you're right, we're wrong, that we need to give up our stubborn ways, that we need to submit. Lord, and humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God and that in the right time you'll lift us up. And Lord, also, would you remind us that there's a great reward that we are to receive if we hold fast to your teachings, if we hold fast to the person of Jesus Christ, if we stand upon the rock of Christ and proclaim your truth without wavering. Well, we can look to a great reward in your time and so father please would you speak to us now would you show us the intricacies intricacies of your word and how it's so applicable to us individually and also collectively as a church we thank you and love you we pray this all in jesus christ's name amen all right so last week we learned Of the strong points, the positive things that were going on in the church at Thyatira, right? They were growing in love, which is a good thing. Brotherly love, sisterly love. The fact that they genuinely loved one another within the fellowship, that was a good thing. They also were growing in service. So uh, them doing things, them feeling the need to be a blessing to someone else, they were growing in that. They were growing in their faith, their belief of who Christ was. And they were growing in patience. So those were the things that Jesus had commended them about last week. He said, yes, you are growing in these things in love and service and faith and patience. Those are a good things. Those are, those are very good things. But their biggest problem that Jesus pointed out was that they compromised their faith with the teaching of Jezebel. Compromise is such a dangerous thing. It's such a... a, 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 a it's a divisive thing when we compromise our integrity in Christ with the world and the world system. You see they engaged in idolatry and sexual immorality. That was the, that was their big problem. That was their big sin is that they incorporated idolatry, false idol worship. There's only one that deserves all praise, honor, and worship, and that's Jesus Christ. That's the Trinity. That's God, the Father, the Holy Spirit. It's not, uh, you know, it's not the 49ers. It's not the the cat with the paw like this. It's not. Hinduism. It's not these other religions. It's not uh, technology, right? I'm trying to make it relatable to our time. What are things that we could possibly worship and, and raise up as idols in our lives? We're not to have idolatry in our lives and we're not to be sexually immoral. Christ went on to give a stern warning to those within the framework of the church, those who were the church members who were guilty of these sins, either repent or be forced to face great tribulation. Today we will learn about what will come to those who refuse to repent. Those who are so prideful and arrogant. Or those, those who are so uh, lost in their sin that they can't even, they can't even find their way out. They can't even recognize that they have a problem. For those that are so sucked in to the sin nature that's within them. What will happen to them if they refuse to repent? But we will also learn of the instruction given to those who are faithful within the church and what their reward will be that they can look forward to. And there's several main points for us this morning. And the first one is this. Again, it's a reiteration from last week, but, you know, you could never exhaust the principles of the word of God. There's some there just things that you that you and I have to hear over and over again. The beautiful thing is I'll say this real quick before I get into it. So it makes more sense and hopefully, Lord willing, it sinks in deeper and it just, it's taken with that much more uh, to the heart. You know, the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you really understand? There's scientific evidence that proves whatever we allow into our vision and into our ears literally transforms our our brains. It it, our brains take the shape of whatever we expose it to. So if I'm sitting here watching horror movies week in, week out, my brain is being configurated and molded to whatever is in those horror movies. If I'm listening to gospel music on a Sunday morning or during the week when I get up in the morning, those, 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 those principles, those words, those thoughts that are being projected by that musical artist are, are, are being sent to my brain through my ears. And it's literally changing and transforming my brain. There's scientific evidence that proves that if you're one of those that need the evidence like that and you're not into just what the Word of God says, there's actual proof. And so, you know, how do we guard our hearts and our minds by filtering what we see, filtering what we hear? So that's a beautiful thing. So I I share that to to, to, to bring this point home a little more clear. There are great consequences for believers who refuse to repent. Now, I believe it's extremely important to understand the context of what we're talking about here. It's important to point out that Jesus is not speaking to those uh, in the church who slip up from time to time. But hear me when I say this, because I'm not, I'm not I don't mean it to come across as Jesus is just saying it's okay for you know, sin to just go on. I'm in no way saying that Jesus turns a blind eye to any kind of sin. We already know that a little leaven, leavens the whole lump and a little bit of sin can blow up and turn one, a one time thing into a lifestyle sin. If we don't get it in check, um, in regards to murderers, right? Jesus spoke about, uh, those who harbor hate in their heart and like, man, I wish that person would just fall off a cliff and die. I can't stand them. They irritate me. They make me so upset when we're like that. We're just as guilty as someone who's actually committed the physical act of murder and we're in danger of hellfire itself. So we know clearly Jesus is not saying that he's overlooking any kind of sin. But what I am saying is Jesus Christ in this instance was addressing those within the church at Thyatira who were living a double lifestyle. You see in one breath. They claimed to have allegiance to Jesus Christ, but in the next very breath, they were living a lifestyle of idol worship and sexual immorality. Meaning it wasn't a one-time thing. It wasn't a one-off for those who were doing this in the church of Thyatira. They were actually good with living this kind of lifestyle day in and day out they were they were okay with it they were like i don't see anything wrong with worshiping jesus christ (laughs) and going doing this on the side and some there's many christians that are like that today where they say oh i I believe in jesus i trust in jesus he's my savior but yet why was you just at the club Why are, you, why are you having this illicit relationship and you're not married? Why are you engaging in all of these other different things that don't reflect the, 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 the nature of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit? We grieve the Holy Spirit when we do things that are contrary. And we can't just claim to, to know Christ and love Him, but our actions are far off. You see, there was a warning of great tribulation that would fall upon those who refused to repent. That's what Jesus says in the text. He said, not only them, but the children of those who actively participate in this kind of sin could look forward to finding their children dead. That is very strong. That is is a very stern warning. If you don't knock it off, The next generation is going to be affected. That's in turn what he was saying. You see, sin never just affects you and I. When we commit sin, when we consciously sin and we're saying, I'm the heck with what you say, Jesus. I want to go about my life how I want to go about it. It never just affects you and I. Have you ever picked up a stone? And, you know, I don't know what's close to here. Maybe Lake Cunningham. That's what I, you know, I I think of when I think of lakes around here. Uh, Have you ever gone to Lake Cunningham and picked up a smooth stone? and skimmed it, through it, <clears throat> chucked it hard, you know, men probably, <laughs> Scott, Keith, you probably, you know what I mean, Sally probably done that, Fred probably done that, I mean, I'm not saying women can't throw stones, but I'm saying, and I don't mean throw stones like, <laughs> I'm just saying, but have you ever got a rock and skipped it over the water, right, when it hits that water, it don't just make one little ripple, right, it did boom, 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 and if you got a good hand, man, that thing go half, across, <laughs> go all the way across the lake, but, you know, it creates, right, it creates impact in, in those rings, they spread out. I don't know if that, that illustration does it justice, but that, that's, those are the effects of sin, people. When we sin, especially when we sin consciously, it affects other people. Those rings, the, 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 the effects can be felt. And in this instance, the effects of sin were going to be felt down to the next generation. Man. That's powerful. That's a powerful warning. You know that right now you and I have the ability to to break generational curses. We all have generational curses in our family trees. That's just we, we, we come from the line of Adam. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there, there's, there's things that go on within our family dynamic that are uh, uh, attributed to the fall. And we have the power within our lives today to break those generational curses by saying, no to whatever's going on, and yes to Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if your children have already grown up. It doesn't matter if you're you're estranged from your children, you don't live with them. You can break, I can break the, the generational curses in my family, in your families by the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, that's the first main point. It's just cool. <laughs> There's like little sub points and all these little, you know, it's just... Oh, an hour and a half or whatever does not do it justice. That's what I think. Now that's why I understand why churches back in the day would have service in the morning. And then they come back in the evening. And you know what I mean? It wasn't just this whole McDonald's, put it in a box. We do it for 45 minutes and everybody gets fed. And no, you can't. I mean, that's just, that's, just, that's just my train of thought. I could be totally wrong. But all right. The second main point is this. Faithful believers are commended to hold fast to Jesus Christ. Those of us that are faithful to the call of salvation in our lives, we are commanded to hold fast, to not let go. You see, many times in our walk with the Lord, we want to know and see great things. Eh, that, that, That is a good thing. It is a good thing to want to see great things, to want to see the Lord manifest His greatness in a mighty way in your life. You see, but the basic things of the gospel can never be forgotten. I think that's where a lot of times we as the, as the church, we fall off. We're trying to find all these new, innovative, creative things, but it's like it's all about cro- uh, Christ and the cross, right? There's no effectiveness if you don't bring Jesus Christ into the conversation. You have to be, I have to be connected to the source. And the source is Jesus Christ himself. It's not all these external things. It's not all these ministry groups. It's not all this and that. And oh, we got this ministry in that way. Well, well, okay, good. Are you connected to the source? Do you have fellowship with the one who turns the power on and can turn it off at any minute? And I think that we, we, we fail in that many times because we're so busy trying to see all these great things that we forget, man, it's the cross of Christ. I'll, 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 give, it, I'll give a great example. You know, this week I, it would have been brought to my remembrance. When is the last? And this is the Lord speaking to me. He's like, when's the last time you fasted? And I was extremely convicted. Do we understand even about fasting and what fasting does for you in your relationship with the Lord? You see, our carnal appetites are like, feed me. And I'm not. You see, a lot of times... People are doing fasts that aren't even biblical. Oh, I'm doing a social media fast, or I'm doing a fast from this and a fast from that. I'm not going fishing for a couple months. That's not biblical. A biblical fast is refrain from food. Amen. Don't tell nobody about it. Clean up your face now. Between whatever time you choose to do it is between you and the Lord. But that is the only kind of fast that's biblical. And you see, that's what a, what a biblical fast does when you say no to the food. You're like, I'm trusting and relying on you because by the third hour, you're like, "Ah, I'm late. (laughs) Give me a cracker. Give me something. I need to eat. But you're forcing your body into submission. What does the word of God say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And when you're in that heightened sense of fasting... The Lord becomes realer to her. You can hear clearly from him more clearly than you can when, you know, when I, I know I eat a lot. <laughs> when I'm full of junk food and this and that, it's like, you know, yeah, I can have the word of God open, but I guarantee if I'm fasting, uh, I mean, it's going to be way different. And I'm, I'm just sharing with, sharing that with you. That's a personal, that's something that I need to work out with the Lord, but he brought it to my attention. It's like, when is the last time you actually fasted? And so we have to be aware of, uh, of these things. That uh, uh, Again, it goes back to the point of the basic things can never be overlooked or forgotten. Oh, we're doing all this and this and that. The Lord's like, when you, when's the last time you fasted, man? When's the last time you actually laid down your right to eat something for the sake of me so that you could know me better because I want to get into a deeper relationship with you. But you're stuffing your mouth every day. You're sitting down after service, wanting to watch a football game, pigging out. <laughs> it's like fast, man. You know, get with me. You know, that's what the Lord's telling us today. Get with me on a deeper level. And if that comes through fasting, that comes through fa- with fasting. But whatever the Lord's showing you in that, I, I pray that you just be obedient. Because he's gonna, it's going to help you have a deeper relationship with Him. And you're going to be more filled with joy. If you go do what He does, then just keep doing what you're doing. Amen? Amen. Okay, I'm going back to this point of... He's telling the believers just to stand firm and to hold tight to him. You see, it's a huge feat for us just to stand upon the rock of Jesus Christ. Look at the circumstances of our society right now. Look at the circumstances of some of the church right now. You know, to not budge on the proclamation of who Jesus Christ is when times get tough. There's many ministries that are, they're shedding away from talking about sin. They're shunning away. The gospel message entirely because they don't want to lose people. They want to attract more people. They want to attract people with money. <laughs> so the pastor can get paid. So they can have this big building. So they can be on TV. So someone can have a jet. I, mean, it's I need a tide because I need a jet. The Lord told me that I need a private jet because of this pandemic. I mean, there is a pastor out there that's saying that on the television. Beware. As uh, I like Napoleon Kaufman from The Well. He says it a lot. I'm going to take his line. The devil is a lie. It's true. The devil is a lie. And and, and don't let him creep up in the church and and, and say things and do things that are not right. But you see, many times we we, we end up not standing upon the rock of Jesus Christ because of some insignificant thing. Oh, oh, I'm hurt. I can't can't go on no more. (laughs) He's telling us. To hold on to the rock of Jesus Christ. Think of all the people who have bowed down to this world because of societal pressures. Oh, well, this is not uh, you know, socially acceptable anymore. This is not politically correct, so we don't want you talking about it. Or you can talk about Jesus Christ all you want, but just keep it in the four walls. Don't, go, don't you dare go outside of the church building and start talking about Jesus because you're going to have issues. You see, when times get rough, we are to stand firm and hold fast to our beliefs in Jesus Christ. Amen? And this is what was going on in the church at Thyatira with all of that craziness going on. I don't worship, sexual immorality. Jesus is like, if you're being faithful to me, just hold fast. If you're being faithful to Christ today, just hold fast. It may be difficult. It may, you may feel like, and it's not getting better. <laughs> Lord, what's up? Situation's getting worse. You tell me to obey. I'm obeying. And I, I, I just, I don't get it. But remember his ways aren't our ways. He has a plan of redemption. That's, gonna, that's outstretched from you know, eternity past to eternity future, and you're a part of that. He wants to use you in a mighty way. Maybe your witness of just being faithful and standing upon the rock of Jesus Christ when all hell is breaking loose all around you in your life is exactly what he wants to use to reach somebody close to you or somebody that you know. And if you renege on your faithfulness to Jesus Christ, then that's just going to blow everything out and then they're not going to get saved. You see what I'm saying? So <laughs> sometimes he's just telling us, just stand. Just stand. Stand firm. You see, it has to go from a head knowledge that I just, you know, I read this book and and I see what what he's talking about to where I know. Now I know. And it's not just the pages on on the book, but it it changes my life. And my lifestyle is I'm living a lifestyle in Christ. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm thinking about him. When I'm going throughout my day, I'm considering what am i doing is my what am i if what i'm is what i'm doing falling in line with the word of god or not when i go to bed i you know you can't shake <laughs> you can't shake jesus from your life because it's become he's become integrated in your life he's a very he's a very he is the center of your life that that's what has to happen in our lives amen that's that's the transformation that occurs it goes from information to revelation it needs to not just be information right because the world can see through that. A non-believer can see through when it's just somebody just just pious and just talking. You know, nobody likes to talk to a Christian that's just got a, just a bunch of head knowledge, just a bunch of book knowledge, because that's a Pharisee. But you wanna be someone who's transformed by the renewing of your mind through the word and it comes out in your actions. So you're gracious and kind <laughs> when it's not deserved. <laughs> right, and you do it with a manner where you're not expecting something in return, and maybe you're not the most well-versed, and you don't have all these scriptures memorized. The Lord's not looking for that. There's a place for that, and that's for your own benefit, hiding the Word of God in your heart, but He's looking for what is the condition of your soul? How are you living? I can guarantee you, your obedience and your humility before God and before man is far greater than you being able to rattle off 25 Bible verses by heart, What's the point of <laughs> memorizing Bible verses if you ain't living them out? People are just like, dude, get away from me, man. You're such a jerk. You know, why are you always telling me this stuff? And I see how you live and it's not right. You know, like the word says, blessing and cursing out of the same mouth. That is horrible. We, we don't want to be those people. We want to be those that proclaim the truth and live it out and live it out in love and humility, right? In meekness, power under control. You have the ability to do something, but is it right? Is it justified? Is it something that's going to edify and glorify God and other people? These are things we have to consider, church. All right, the third main point is this. The level of reward that you and I will receive will depend on what we do and how we live for Jesus Christ. I know some people don't want to hear that, but that is the reality. Not everybody at the, <laughs> at the banquet feast. I mean, there are going to be some people up in heaven that are in the nosebleeds, super up high. <laughs> and there's going to be others that are right there. Because it has to do with what did you do with Christ when, once you realize. You see, we are all receiving the gift of salvation. Meaning we all have eternal life in him as believers. But the level of reward for each believer when we go to heaven is entirely different. This reward will depend on what we did with Christ on earth. Did we live in obedience the best we could, looking for opportunities to serve him by serving others? You say, you know, people say, oh, I love God. Oh, I love God, but I- I'm just not a people person. I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> Stay away. You know, for some people, this whole pandemic, it must be, it must, it must be paradise. They're like, man, I a- <laughs> six feet, bro. Six back up off me, man, six feet. Uh, No, I'm not touching you. I don't want to touch you. Hand sanitizing everything, cleaning everything. You know, some people are like, man, I'm good with that. But you know what? We can't say we love God and we don't love people. One of the main ways that we express our love to God is our love to other people. How can we say we love God, but we can't stand people? And look at what Jesus did. Jesus was with the people that were, I mean, by society standards, Stay away from me. You're the crud of the crud. You have no credibility. He was hanging around with tax collectors, prostitutes, (laughs) you know, the scum of the earth back then. And that's who he came for. He came for those people who were weak. Some of them didn't know they were weak until they came across him, but then they found out, man, I'm weak. I'm a whole wretch. I'm a hot mess. But that's who he used. You see... Do we live in obedience the best way we can or or is our faith more private? Or we're like, oh, you know, I'm a believer, but, uh, you know, (laughs) nobody who who doesn't know, they don't even know you're a believer. There's nothing that differentiates you from the next person on your job. They're like, you're a Christian. (laughs) I'm so surprised. Like how you recruit, that's what, and, and sometimes that's what gives, some people use that excuse, why well, I don't go to church because so-and-so, but you know, we can't base it off of what we see in other people, but we need to make sure our witness is right. You see Matthew chapter six, uh, 16, excuse me, uh, verse 27 tells us, for the son of man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. So that's not me. That's the word of God saying that to us. He's going to repay me for what I've done and what I didn't do. I'm going to be grieved and like, man, what a, I wasted a lot of opportunities. I know I've already wasted a lot of opportunities. So it's like between me and the Lord, I'm like every day, Lord, help me to just do whatever it is you call me to do, be it my family, be it with this church, be it with just people out in general. May I be obedient because we want to take advantage of the time that he's given us. Amen. Mm-hmm. You see, once you and I get saved, There should be things you and I do for God. We shouldn't just look at our salvation as a get out of hell pass. And we just kick back and live life however we want and be like, well, I'm saved. I believe in Jesus, but I'm not moved to do anything. You know, there should be a radical change within us, within our hearts to have a strong desire to want to live for Jesus Christ. And that's what's lacking within the church is there's not this strong desire to want to live for God. Oh, I live for God, but I live for God in this tiny little bubble. And, uh, you know, and that's where people get this fake understanding. Oh, you know, Christians, they just, you know, they just have little luncheons and dinners and little coffee things and just do little Bible studies. That's part of it. But that's not our identity. And if it is, that's sad. That's a lonely, weak existence. It's super lame. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is the most just in, intense life you're ever going to live. Oh my gosh, the warfare you go through, the battle you go You know that we're, we're like the salmon, right? <laughs> we're swimming upstream. The world current, the, the societal current is totally going against what we believe. And we're called bigots. We're called ingrates. We're called, you know, we're narrow-minded. Well, you know what? I guess I'm an ingrate. I guess I'm narrow-minded. And I guess I am a bigot because I know that, you know, Wide is the gate that leads to destruction, but narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. And there's only one mediator. It's the man Christ Jesus. You can't get there any other way. You know, I've personally tried it. It doesn't work. It does not work. Jesus Christ is alive and active. He's the only true one. He's the only true and living God. And we were talking about this earlier. This is a side point, but I I think it's pertinent to share. Is that the reason why they're trying to eradicate the 10 commandments and the sign of the cross from any kind of public government building or any kind of entity in that regard. is because the 10 commandments convict hearts to show people they can't measure up. But the 10 commandments also point to the one who can save and that's the man, God, Christ, Jesus. And what society wants to do is eradicate any feeling of uncomfortability because the Ten Commandments are affront, an affront to what they believe is their wisdom, their knowledge, their understanding. They want to be in control of that. And because the Ten Commandments convict a heart that's willing to see them for what they are and not try to work to keep them, it'll drive you to Christ. And so that's why they're getting rid of all that. And so Satan knows exactly what he's doing. You know, so that's why, again... It's not about stuff on walls. Write the word of God on your heart. Now, that, that, that goes back to the whole memorizing scripture. It's not to just be spitting it out to say, well, I got, you know, Psalm 20 verse 7. <laughs> it's not that. It's about for your own benefit. Because, I mean, you know, Lord willing, there's going to come a time where, you know, uh, we can start getting like, we are an exception to the rule in America. You know that, right? Every other country in the world, they're killing, cutting people up, chopping people up for having a Bible. Heaven forbid there comes a time where the government or whatever power that be, some rogue army is like, you can't have that Bible. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Do you have the word of God in your heart? Do you know the scripture? Can you can you reiterate what the word has been saying all these years? Or do you have no understanding of the word of God at all? And you can't even remember a verse for the life of you. That's where that whole hiding the word in your in your heart comes from because back in the day in, in these jewish times you know back you know when jesus was walking the earth they didn't have paper bibles the word was shared during dinner time or during family time almost like story time and it was passed down like that and so the generations would have to remember the stories and they would bring to remembrance the scriptures right so for us today we need to use these things they should be worn They should have marks marked up all over there. There should be no, I mean, or unless you're one of them, you know, it's cool. I have Bibles where I don't like to touch them at all, but I have other Bibles that are all marked up. What I'm saying is, we need to use the word. Get it deep down. Chew it up. Digest it. Have it. Let it take hold of your life. Because that's how you and I become transformed. That's the only way, folks. There's no other way. Coming to this church service ain't cutting it. You know what I'm saying? The children of Israel had to get manna every day. They had to get up and get it on their own. This is one day of you hearing from me being used by the Lord. This ain't going to cut it for the next six days. Y'all have to feed yourselves. You have to get up, get in that word, which is the manna, and get that manna in you daily or else you ain't going to survive. Once any hard thing comes, you're going to get knocked down and you're going to be like, I can't get up. I'm I'm this. done. I mean, we've all been there. But, you know, we, we, we got to be strong in the Lord, folks. And that's the only way to do it, is getting in the word, hiding the word in your heart. That's a word for somebody here, I know it. All right. Revelation 2, verse 22 down through 25 it says, Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of their works. And they will, and I will, excuse me, strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some have called deep things of Satan, the deep things of Satan, excuse me, I tell to you, uh, excuse me, to you, I say, I do not lay on you any other burden, only hold fast to what you have until I come. Okay, so we start off with this. He says, I will cast her into a sickbed. So before Jesus told the Christians in Thyatira what they must do, he first tells them what he is going to do. <laughs> he Jesus would chastise Jezebel, Jezebel, excuse me, and cast her into a sickbed along with those who committed adultery with her. Basically those who said, "I hold to these teachings. There's nothing wrong with them." I'm not going to renege. I'm not going to repent about what I'm doing. He said, I'm going to throw you onto sick sickbed. It's going to be all bad for you. Uh, There was going to be consequences for wrong living. This is something in my household we are going through extremely with my son right now. Trying to get him to understand there are consequences to what you do. Good and bad. You make good choices. There are going to be good consequences. You knowingly make the wrong choice after you've been told. There are going to be consequences and I want him to understand this and Lord willing, I'll be alive to see him actually get it (laughs) and make right choices because this is a biblical principle that you and I can't evade. The reference to adultery is important here. It speaks of both sexual adultery and spiritual adultery. You see, when these Christians honored other gods, they were unfaithful to the Lord God Almighty who saved them. An example is this. You see, many times in a marriage, when someone commits adultery, and I'm not going to say affair, because affair is a, is a way of softening the blow. Oh, they just had an affair. No, they committed adultery. It was an adulterous relationship that that man or that woman had against their spouse. You see, but many times people think the offended spouse is the first one offended. Oh, no, no, no. I'll take you back. Even if you were in the courthouse and you didn't get married in a, in, in a, in a church building. You see, when you give your vows and you say, Oh, to death, do us part, or maybe you wrote them, whatever, you did that before the Lord God Almighty. That's a union before Him. And so the first one offended in an adulterous relationship is God Himself. And then the physical person is the second person offended. You see, we commit spiritual adultery when we do stuff like that or when we live in an immoral way or when we live when we have idol worship of things you see for this reason the figure of a sick bed is fitting because they were guilty of adultery both sexually and spiritually it's as if Jesus said you love an unclean bed okay I'm gonna throw you on a sick bed (laughs) because you love it so much I'm gonna hand you over to it 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 always brings to mind Pharaoh you know because many people all oh, go back and forth. You know, God didn't harden Pharaoh's heart. You know, God didn't harden Pharaoh's heart. Well, you know, the scriptures say that Moses hardened Pharaoh's heart, God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and Pharaoh hardened his own heart. You know, we know the Bible doesn't lie. I always hammer at this part because maybe I just, I don't know, man. I just, I'm just like, Jesus or uh, God, God the Father, he handed Pharaoh over because Pharaoh kept changing his mind. So he said, you know what? I'm just going to hand you over to what you are doing because you're not being repented. And that's the same idea here. Jesus is saying, if you do not repent of your idol worship and your sexual immorality, I am going to hand you over to this sick bed. It could simply be an image of affliction, or it could be a literal sickbed that Jesus allowed the lives of Jezebel and her followers to be on. We know from passages of scripture, such as 1 Corinthians 1130 that God, can use sickness as a way to chastise his people when they are in sin. So I want to read that verse real quick. And it says, that is why many of you are weak and ill and some of you have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. Oh my gosh. How powerful is that? You know what that statement says? That statement says, you and I must take accountability for what we do and how we live. Did you see what Jesus, what the word of God says right there? He says, but if we judged ourselves truly, We wouldn't even be judged. See, many times we don't even look at what we're doing. We just, I'm saved. I'm good. (laughs) And we just go about doing and saying whatever we want, thinking we're in the spirit. And you may not be in the Holy Spirit all the time, talking like that, acting like that. We need to judge ourselves and judge our motives and judge our actions. I'm not saying be hypercritical and because there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. We know that condemnation comes from Satan himself. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit, but we shouldn't be all willy nilly about everything and not even taking a second glance at how am I living? What are my motives? Why am I doing this? What is my motivation for why I'm doing what I'm doing? If we judge ourselves truly, we won't even be judged. Okay, the ancient word used here for bed is also the use that they, uh, word that they would use for a uh, banqueting couch or a you know, party couch. So if that's the meaning, we can take it like this. I will strike her down as she sits at her forbidden feast. And this is all pertaining to this sick bed that um, the believers were gonna get thrown on if they didn't repent. And then he says, unless they repent of their deeds. So still, even in this, we see the mercy and the grace of God. Because he's saying, these are the consequences if you don't repent but if you do there's something that you're going to get jesus revealed the purpose for their chastising it was to draw them to the repentance of their deeds they wouldn't listen to jesus before so we had to speak louder through the sickbed. you know many times he doesn't he can't get our attention with just telling us and so sometimes we got to if we're a knucklehead we got to go through difficulties because he's like, well, I'm going to turn the fire up a little bit to get your attention, to get my attention. We would be wise to take heed to the small still whisper of the voice of God so that we don't induce more harm to ourselves than we need to go through, right? Many times we we just go through more difficult times because we just don't live in obedience. Secondly here, it says, this was given as holiness to the other churches. And all the other churches shall know that I, speaking of God, am he who searches the minds and hearts. The application is this. We must always be aware that there are consequences for our actions. Positive or negative, bad or good, we will reap what we sow. An unrepented heart will always bring about God's righteous judgment. He says... Uh, In this scripture, minds and hearts, it's literally the hearts and the kidneys, because in the minds of the ancient Jewish people, the heart was the place of intellect or intelligence and the kidney were the place of emotion. So Jesus is saying, I know your every thought and your every feeling. Again, we see the striking blow of judgment that will come upon anyone who understands the truth of righteous living in Jesus Christ, but fails to obey and repent. It's so important that repentance is not something we run from, but we run to. Your liberty, my liberty is in a repented heart, not acting as if it doesn't exist and just trying to, you know, (laughs) wish it away, but being and giving acknowledgement to it and getting right with God. He says, I will kill her children with death, I found this powerful quote, and this is extremely, this speaks to this right here. And this quote says, all men die, but all are not killed with death. Oh, it is woeful. It is a woeful thing to be killed with death. He's telling them, if you don't repent, your children are going to be affected by your poor decisions. Next, we see. That the command for the faithful within the church of thyatira so now we're going to shift from those who are refusing to repent to those who are standing in the right standing with god and are choosing to be obedient he says those who refuse to compromise their spiritual and physical integrity hold fast to what you have till i come there were many faithful uncompromising Christians in the church of Thyatira. And he, Jesus tells them to hold fast. There's a couple verses that speak to this as well. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21. But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. And I love this verse as well. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are. Meaning the church if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end so he's telling us clearly we need to hold on to our convictions something that no one can shake from you something that the lord has revealed to you that no one could ever tell you did not happen you've Have this supernatural experience Through the revelation of the scripture in your life You have to hold fast to those convictions No matter what the government says No matter what popular society says No matter what the pastor says If the pastor's gone off his rocker And he's not teaching sound biblical teaching You need to, I need to hold to these convictions No matter what, amen Amen. All right. They must not stop at doing what is good They must not become distracted or discouraged From what Jesus wants them to to be and to do. Jesus also told them how long that they need to hold fast. He says, till I come till I get to you. The application is this. We are to hang in there and stand strong for Jesus Christ until he comes. It is only then will the battle be over. You know, many people, many Christians get get mocked by. Oh yeah, Jesus is coming back. He ain't back. I see all this going on. The world is falling apart. Jesus ain't coming back. We need to hold fast to our convictions, hold fast to the Word of God, hold fast to Jesus. He will return. When he does return, it's going to be a blessing and a beautiful day for some, and it's going to be very grim and a wrathful day for others who will receive that wrath, unfortunately, because of their own disobedience and their own uh, decision to fail to repent. Okay, 26 down through 28, he says, this is Jesus again speaking, the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father, and I will give him the morning star. Okay, so he says, he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end. You see, even when there is immoral and idolatrous influences of a Jezebel, right? And Christians are being affected by that. We can overcome and keep Jesus' work until the end. It's proven. It's what the Word of God says right there. The application is this. We must not become overly discouraged at immorality and idolatry around us, even amongst Christians within the church. You see, a lot of people are so moved by, I mean, what was it, a couple years ago now, when the whole, uh, you know, uh, when... With the, with the Black Lives Matter and then all the riots in, in Minneapolis, the whole city's on fire and, 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 you know, oh, you know, the police are doing this unjustly and that unjustly. The reality is this vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He, to each his own. If you feel led, you want to go march around and go protest and this and that. I, I mean, it is what it is. The church is supposed to be praying. The church is supposed to be seeking the Lord. The church is supposed to be the reflection of Jesus Christ in a broken, fallen world. Many people were so moved by all those things. And then the pandemic happened. Or I guess the pandemic had already happened and all that stuff came after it. And then just, oh, it's just in such a disarray. Your faith should not be falling apart because of the, the circumstances of this world or this country. If your faith is falling apart because America is in the state it's in, you have a super weak faith. Let me tell you right now, because it ain't about America. You know, America is a great place. Praise God that we've been blessed to live in this country, which is the exception to the rule. But my King is Jesus Christ, not this country. If we want to see America be better, we need to do our due diligence and be living as real Christians, praying, interceding, maybe fasting for this country. You know, there's many that are doing that. But what I'm saying is we can't be moved or shaken by the circumstances of this life. If anything, it should drive you closer to Jesus and and dig deeper for him so he can use you in a mighty way. Like I said, I'm in no way trying to disgrace or, 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 or put down America. That's not my intention at all. What I'm trying to say is your faith shouldn't be moved by your outward circumstances. It just shouldn't. You should not be moved by what president is sitting in the White House right now. You know, it shouldn't. Or what politician that's doing this corrupt thing or not doing what you think they're supposed to be doing. If your faith is moved by that, again, like I said, your, your perspective is wrong. Dare I say we need to pray for those politicians that aren't right. Pray for them by name. If you don't like what's-his-face, pray for him. If you don't like what's-her-face, pray for her. Genuinely Not all oh, I just pray Lord You break her heart So you can say it. No like pray for real Like the meekness you know, That her soul would be saved Or his soul would be saved You don't like Gavin Newsom Pray for the man That's People don't want to hear that But that's the truth If you're not praying For Gavin Newsom Then you have no right To speak on anything Because you're not living As a real Christian Jesus would command you To pray for your enemies Pray for those What? It'd be, it'd be like A hot coal on top of their heads Bringing shame upon them, then he got to deal with the reality of what he's doing with him and the Lord. But us as the church, the true church of Jesus Christ, we need to take our stance correctly. Because all the finger pointing does no good. There's too much divisiveness even within the church over trivial things. Over trivial things that aren't going to mean anything later on at the end. We need to really take our cues from Jesus, amen? That's what we need to do. God's work will still go on through his overcomers. If you're an overcomer, he's going to work through you. If you're not an overcomer, then I don't know. I guess you're stalling the work that could be done through you. You need to. I need to be an overcomer. The Lord Jesus remains on the throne. Amen. It's not dictated by all this stuff. It's not dictated by these <laughs> These. These freights not coming in, these boats not coming into the docks and, you know, all this stuff going on in China and whatever. It's like, you know, it's not the Lord's not. His reign is not dictated by any any man or any woman or any nation. He goes on to say to those who hold fast and are overcomers, he will give power to them over the nations. Jesus promised that his people will reign with him. Here there is a special promise to those who overcome the threat of immorality and idolatry. That's a beautiful thing. So you stand fast in Jesus Christ. You can look forward to reigning and ruling with Christ. We know that that thousand year millennium, we're going to be doing that. And it's going to be a beautiful thing. It's going to be a beautiful time where we get to reign with our Lord Jesus Christ on this earth before we go to heaven for eternity. To them, Jesus is offering a share of his own kingdom. What kind of king does that? Only a righteous king, only a true king, only the true Messiah would do that. You look at the kings of this world, what do they do typically? They're, they're tyrants. <laughs> they want it all for themselves. They're bloodthirsty. They'll stop at nothing to conquer and kill, conquer and conquer. You know, the train of a robe. You know what that's about, right? Back in the days, a king would conquer a country and he would take the king's robe and he would take it and then he would sew it onto his. And that's how the train, and the more countries he conquered, the more kingdoms he conquered, that's why his train would be so long. What does the Bible say about the God, God's train? It fills the whole temple. It means he's unrivaled by anyone. I don't know, I just, I'm pumped up about that because I learned about that. I was like, that's so cool. <laughs> that's so cool that that's the Lord. He's like, dude, I got the longest train ever. That means that I am unrivaled by any earthly king that would ever try to come against me. It just doesn't work. Jesus goes on to say that, he shall rule them with the iron rod now this quotation from psalm chapter 2 speaks of the authority of the messiah when he rules over the earth in that day righteousness will be enforced and those who rebel against jesus will be dashed to pieces like a clay pot hit with an iron bar oh man i don't want (laughs) to i don't want to be there i do do not break me into pieces Those brakes need to go, uh, (laughs) there's an auto body shop, no, not too far, that's not safe. But uh, yeah, I don't want to be dashed to pieces, but that's what he's saying. Those who fail to repent and rebel against Jesus will be dashed to pieces like a clay pot hit with an iron bar. You see, Jesus includes this here to give hope to the faithful Christians of Thyatira who felt overwhelmed by the immorality and idolatry around them. Jesus reminded them that you're on my winning team. Today, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you feel overwhelmed. Maybe it's been a very difficult week and you haven't seen the silver lining that is Jesus Christ in your circumstances. And you're like, Lord, <laughs> I'm just tired. I'm tired. I'm depressed. I don't like what I see. Every time I turn on the news, it's just another bad thing. Maybe you have children or grandchildren and your, your, your deepest fear is for them because you're like, I don't know how they're going to grow up. How are they supposed to grow up godly in an ungodly society? There's nothing but hate everywhere and slander and murder and and backbiting. That's all I seem to see. Maybe that's you today. But if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your only means of salvation, you were on his winning team, amen? And you can transfer that knowledge that can become just not only information, but revelation in your family's life. But it's taking a vested interest in the people around you that you love. And it takes the effort of getting in the word and taking the time and saying, I'm going to turn off the TV for a little bit and I'm going to sit down with my family and I'm going to talk to them and share with them what I know and let the Holy Spirit move through you. You see, that's revival. It may not be like Billy Graham and, 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 you know, at Levi Stadium. It may be, but it starts within you. It starts within me. It starts within our households and in our families. And then it spreads from there. It can get into the neighborhoods and then get into the schools again. And then get into, you know, the city hall buildings and all that. But it, but it, it starts with a vested interest in, in not only your life, it starts with your life, but then your family's life. That's a powerful thing right there. That's, a, that's such a big deal with the family unit falling apart so much in our country. For real families, real godly, biblical families to stand firm and just do that. I mean, that's, that's powerful. You and I don't even realize how much of an, an effect that can do with just your family alone. You know, that's the same thing as don't let anyone despise you because of your youth. Don't let anyone despise you for the lack of numbers or whatever. It's like those in your sphere of influence. It's so important. That's why I drill that home, because the Lord drills it home to me. Those in my sphere of influence. That is such an important responsibility because those that you raise up, they're going to be godly men and women one day that the world that's ungodly is going to see. And they're going to have an impact and an influence on a society that is ungodly. All right, um, let me get back to the task at hand. The word pomene means literally shepherd. Their rule will not simply be that of executing judgment. I'm speaking of us reigning with Jesus Christ, but also that of administering mercy and direction. This is the true meaning of shepherding. To lead humbly, not lording it over people, and abusing one's authority that's why Jesus was meek power under control he was very meek in his dealings with people he could have called angel a legion of angels down from heaven and gotten him off the cross and whatever obliterated all the people that were against him but he didn't because he was power under control meekness Proverbs chapter 27 verse 23 tells us know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds meaning care for them Be consistent with what you're doing and what you're saying. Actually be concerned about their condition. You know, my main responsibility as the pastor of this church is to be concerned about the spiritual condition of people here. Are we growing? Are we stagnant? What's holding us back? Where are the victories? It's about that. It's not about all this exterior stuff. It's not about the numbers. It's not about giving. It's not about anything. It's about are you growing spiritually? And Lord willing, I pray that you're growing spiritually because that's so important. It affects the rest of your life. Okay, I'm I'm moving uh, fast. We only got um, one more verse after this point. It says, I will give him the morning star. So Jesus offered them a reward greater than the kingdom. Greater than the kingdom of heaven itself. This This is something that is hard to wrap our minds around, but this is where we need to be. He offered them the reward of himself. Because he is the morning star. Revelation 22 verse 16 tells us this. You see, sometimes we can get so fixed on the material descriptions of what heaven will be like, right? Many mansions. (laughs) You know, streets paved with gold. Receiving a crown. Different levels of reward for believers. But the reality remains. All those things pale in comparison to Jesus Christ himself, who is the light. You see, in heaven there will be no need for a physical sun like here on earth because him, his presence will light up the atmosphere. There's going to be no darkness. There's going to be no night. The greatest thing we could ever obtain or be given is Jesus Christ himself. Psalm verse 16, verse 5 down through 11. I have to read this because this is an important point. It says, Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. Mine, excuse me the land you have given me is a pleasant land what a wonderful inheritance i will bless the lord who guides me even at night my heart instructs me i know the lord is always with me i will not be shaken for he is right beside me no wonder my heart is glad and i rejoice my body rests in safety for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your holy one to rot in the grave you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Oh my goodness. That's, I mean, that's what it's about. You see, even here on earth, it's not about the stuff. We can have the stuff, but if we don't got Him, we got nothing. The stuff gets old, it rots, it loses its luster so quick, and then we're off to the next thing. But when we have Him, you can have stuff, And you can be content or you can not have a lot of stuff and you can be content because your contentment, your joy is found in Jesus. (laughs) I'm just experiencing in this my my own life so much and I'm trying to teach this to my children. It's not about all these new toys. It's cool. You got it. But it's about Jesus. Because I guarantee you're going to break that toy and then (laughs) you're going to want something else. You ain't getting it. (laughs) But But that's how we are. We're like that as adults, you know. All right. Last verse. Revelation 2.29. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is what goes on every letter. Jesus is like, if you have an ear, you better listen. Listen. Really take in what he's saying. Man, okay. (laughs) This letter applies to everyone in the church. It applies to those who are like Jezebel who lead others into sin. It applies to those who follow the teaching of Jezebel and and follow others into sin. It also applies to those who permit Jezebel's teaching of wickedness. Finally, it applies to those who are faithful and hold fast to Jesus Christ. May we be those who hold fast to the true gospel of Jesus Christ and not fall back. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Lord God, we we thank you, uh, Lord, for uh, just uh, your word as it's revealed through the scriptures. We don't need anything extra. All we need is the word of God. And and you show us clearly how we are to live. This, uh, This portion of scripture, all scripture, is applicable to us today. Would you show us how to forsake idle teaching, forsake idle ways? May we not be immoral in any kind of way. May we bring honor and glory to you. And may we hold fast to your son Jesus Christ, to the proclamation of truth that is in your son Jesus. Would you give us the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to do this? We know we need to be connected to to you. You are the source of all true life, all true wisdom, all true knowledge, all true understanding. It all comes through the funnel who is the person of Jesus Christ. So Lord, would you help us today to be engaged with you may we have more of you and less of us may we see opportunities to serve you through serving other people may we not grumble or complain about how things are inconsistent with maybe our schedule or what we want to do but may we be moldable and pliable may we be willing to step out of our comfort zone to be a blessing to someone else the world desperately needs this needs it may we truly stand up and be the church like you've called us to be father We thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen.